want you to reach into your worship bulletin right now and pull out a card. What follows is an extended altar call. The altar call is starting right now. Open your worship bulletin, pull out a card that looks like this. If you don't have this card, you must have it. Ushers, would you quickly make sure that everybody in this church, in the balcony, in the overflow, in the youth chapel, that every worshiper has this card. Today's time in the Word is an extended altar call, and the altar call has begun right now. Didn't get a card? Just hold your hand up. I want you to have this card sitting on your lap. I want you to brood over it. I want you to keep one ear cocked to the Holy Spirit, the other eye on the card. God is ready to move an entire generation. You are that generation. It's time to quit playing church and time to reach this world for Christ. And Lawrence Byrne brought me that AFM DVD this last week. I was so moved by it. I watched it twice alone. Went up to Karen. It was late one night. Went up to Karen. Played it twice for her. Went back down to my study. Played it twice again. Six times in a row. And every time I was moved to tears. You're telling me that one-third of this planet has never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ? Two billion Christians? One-third? Never heard? How can you and I sit here week after week after week and not respond? Today's sermon is an extended altar call and it has just begun. Take your card. Look at the options on the back. We'll go through them in a moment. I want you to sign up today. God is calling you to sign up today. This is not just an altar call for 18-year-olds. This is an altar call for 28-year-olds and 38-year-olds and 48-year-olds and 58-year-olds. And you're going to find out in a moment with a live connection somewhere on this planet that there's a 67-year-old couple since retiring in a closed country working right now. You are why God is making this appeal. It's not me making the appeal. It's not the church making the appeal. It's not Adventist Frontier Missions making the appeal. It's not JFID and the Center of Youth Evangelism making the appeal. It's not the General Conference Secretariat making the appeal. All three organizations helped me this week to shape this appeal. This appeal is from God to you. We just saw the numbers. We can't sit here and not respond. Pray with me, please. Oh, God, what are we going to do with these numbers? This astounding need. Do not let us do nothing, I pray. Amen. There's one more radical we need to meet in this series of radicals. One more. And this is what's so fascinating about this radical. Guess where he's from? Libya. You heard of Libya? Unless you've been sleeping through the last four weeks of nonstop cable TV news. You know that Libya, Libya is the site, even as we speak, of a fermenting revolution within that northern Af North Africa country, ruled for 40 years by a dictator named Muammar Gaddafi. Libya is on fire as we meet in worship today. Our radical this morning is not one of the young rebels in this freedom movement. He could have been young. I don't think he was terribly young. But irrespective of his age, he is a critical role model for you and me. This Libyan, this Libyan, the last of our radicals, 
Abraham, radical. Paul, radical. Jonah, radical. Rich young ruler, radical. The Libyan, a radical. Open your Bible with me, please, to the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 15. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. The radical. He didn't even plan to be a radical. Slipped into church, had no idea there was going to be an altar call, and before he could get out, he was got. The radical. Minding his own business. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. Just one line. This radical summarized. Oh, you didn't bring a Bible. Grab your pew Bible. Let me give you the page number. 687. Mark chapter 15. Page 687 in the pew Bible. This is the crucifixion story. This is, this is awful Friday that only now we call Good Friday. This is Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Then they compelled the Romans. You could do that. You can grab anybody you want. They compelled Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. Whoa! North Africa, Libya, today. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Libyan, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Obviously, two names known by the writer Mark. Remember, this is the gospel according to Peter, as told to Mark. The two boys, Alexander and Rufus, are known to the readers of Mark. And that's why Mark's the only one, the most detailed account of this stranger wandering in that awful Friday morning. Mark gives the most detail. He's the dad of Alexander and Rufus. This must be the Rufus that the intrepid missionary Paul, at the end of his epistle to the Romans in chapter 16, he says, Oh, by the way, I love Rufus. Give him my regard. And I love his mother as well. Tell them hi for me. This must be that Rufus. Every reader of Mark knows who Rufus is. This is the father. They're obviously followers of this Jesus of Nazareth. Daddy's no follower. Daddy's just minding his own business coming into town on a Friday morning when he bumps into this roiling crowd spilling out of one of Jerusalem's gates headed toward Golgotha. That's Daddy. This is the, this is the Simon. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country. You ever been around a crowd? Come on, noise, nonstop, raucous noise. This isn't a crowd, this is a mob. And curious like you and I would be if we bumped into a crowd downtown, we'd find our way. What is the preoccupation? He pushes his way to the front of the crowd. Ah! Prisoner, capital P, prisoner. He's carrying his cross, the patibulum. We always think of it as a long cross, you know, with a cross beam. No, what they carried was the patibulum. The cross, the the, the stakes are already at the place of execution. So now they carry the patibulum. The prisoner is carrying his patibulum. Emaciated, obviously. I mean, you just take one look at him. His back and open gouge, bleeding profusely. The prisoner is weak and he keeps falling to the ground and the guards kick him. Get up! And he staggers to his feet with the patibulum, goes a few more paces, falls back down. And Simon, who doesn't know who this is, in a moment of, of, of compassion and just talking to himself, said, can't they see? He, he's too weak. And that's all the Roman legionnaires needed. They overhear an expression of sympathy. You! Pick up the cross. Go! Simon drags the patibulum only on his shoulders. Behind the stumbling prisoner, 
at the summit of Golgotha. That's all we have. That's all we have of his story. But we have this line from the classic Desire of Ages, the life on the life of Christ. And I put it on the screen for you. I want you to look at this, brood on this, because somehow Simon is a critical role model for the likes of you and me. We can't just dismiss this. We can't just say, well, he was a, oh, not for me. No, this is for you. I'm reading from off the screen. At this time, a stranger, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming in from the country, meets the throng. He hears the taunts and ribaldry of the crowd. He hears the words contemptuously repeated, make way for the king of the Jews. He stops in astonishment at the scene, and as he expresses his compassion, they seize him and place the cross on his shoulders. Simon had heard of Jesus. His sons were believers in the Savior, but he was not a disciple. The bearing of the cross to Calvary was a blessing to Simon, and he was ever after grateful for this providence. It led him to take upon himself the cross of Christ from choice and ever cheerfully stand beneath its burden. End quote. The radical. Minding his own business, showing up in church when an invitation is given, and suddenly his life is on the line and he has to make a decision. On the spot, he has to make the decision. And he spent his life passionate for the crucified one behind whom he carried the cross. Why does Mark go to all this labor to make sure we have all the details of this short little vignette? Ah! Mark knows he has just inserted, a few pages earlier, a teaching of Jesus for radicals. He must now illustrate it so that we know what it means when we come to the teaching. And now we go to the teaching. The altar call has already begun. Take a look at the teaching. Mark chapter 8. So just turn a few pages back. Mark chapter 8. The words of Christ. You have a red letter Bible? These words ought to be bright red. Mark chapter 8. And while you're finding it in your Bible, I'm going to put it on the screen for our viewers who are watching live streaming right now. This is the radicals, this generation, this world, this time. This is part six. This is the finis. This is it wrapped up today. You don't have, uh, you don't have the card that was just handed out a moment ago. You can get it www.wpmchurch.tv. There's a study guide accompanying this. You can get that as well. It's not a fill-in-the-blank study guide. It's one you keep and brood over for the journey ahead. Mark chapter 8, pick it up in verse 34. And when he had called the people to himself, that would be Jesus, with his disciples also. Let us be clear. This isn't just a little to the masses I have a teaching today. This is, yo, you who follow me, listen up carefully. This is to his disciples. He said to all of them, whoever desires to come after me, if any man wants to come after me, if any woman wants to come after me, Let her deny herself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what? When he says cross, he's not talking about something that dangles around your neck on a silver chain. That's the cross to this generation. I wear it as cufflinks. Hanging around my neck. Sticking in my ear now and then just to feel like a Christian. That's not the cross he's talking about. When he says cross to his listeners, in an instant they know. This is the brutal form of Roman execution. He's talking about the patibulum. Take up your patibulum. Find where those stakes are pounded into the ground. You'll know what to do. This is bloody and messy. That's why it's radical. And he said to all of them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. 
and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a woman give in exchange for her soul? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I read Eric Metaxi's critically acclaimed now biography of Bonhoeffer this last summer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who at the age of 39 died executed by direct order of Hitler himself. Bonhoeffer, in his now immortalized, because he's become a martyr, book, The Cost of Discipleship, one line, page 99, that has stuck with me ever since I read it, and I know I will never forget it. I'll put it on the screen for you. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. If you've been called by Christ, the call is to die. When Christ calls a woman... He bids her come and die. I know you had dreams, honey. I know your dreams. I'm changing your dreams right now. You're going to die for me. It's not a physical death, usually. Sometimes it's a social death. Sometimes it's an emotional death. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's, it's a professional death. Sometimes it's a death to everything you dreamed you could have. Come and die. When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. This little card that you have on your lap that you're brooding over right now, it's a call to come and die. You have to be willing to die. If any woman would come after me, let her take up the cross, deny herself, and follow me. If any man, every universe, any university student who wants to follow me, here's the deal. You deny yourself, you take up the cross, follow me. We'll go together. I'll die with you again and again and again. Take up the cross. What cross? It's obviously the cross of self-sacrifice. Because he says, he says, hey, you want to save your life? You've got to lose it. So it has to be self-sacrifice. That's what he's talking about. The cross of self-sacrifice. I'm asking you to pick up the cross. It's going to cost you something. This call I'm giving to you right now, it's going to cost you something, Jesus says. You're going to have to deny yourself, take up the cross, and also stay close to me. Stay close to me. You'll be fine. Stay close to me. I'll lead the way. You follow. You're going to die. By the way, God is very clear here that He doesn't pick out the cross. You know, some people think, well, God will give me a cross. No, God will not give you a cross. You have to pick your own cross up, which is why a rotten marriage is not a cross to bear. A rotten marriage is what you got stuck with, sister. It's not a cross. You didn't pick a rotten marriage, did you? Of course you didn't. It just ended up that way. You're stuck with it. That's not a cross. A dead-end job is not a cross. You're the one that wanted the job. You got in the job and now it's dead-ended. Blame anybody. That's not your cross. Jesus doesn't mean, stay with a dead-end job and you'll be my follower. You may need to stay with a dead-end job, but that's not your cross. Sudden illness is not a cross. You didn't pick that. Chronic pain is not a cross. You didn't pick that. Getting an F, getting an F in your class is not a cross. You didn't pick that, did you? You choose. Put that on the screen. The cross is something you choose. God doesn't choose it for you. Your parents don't choose it for you. Your spouse doesn't choose it for you. Your children don't choose it for you. You choose. 
Not even God himself would touch that. He's already had a cross. All he's asking you to do is pick up your cross and follow him. And by the way, do you notice this? It's, it, it's for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. That's a great line, by the way. Mark's the only one who puts that tandem form into this, embedded into this appeal. He's the only one in, that adds, and for the sake of the gospel. In Luke and Matthew, Jesus says, for my sake. But in Mark, Mark says, no, for my sake and for the gospels. Mark wants to make sure we understand that this cross has, to do, has everything to do with being a missionary for Jesus Christ. He wants to make sure we understand it's for the gospel. You know how we can figure this out? It's really not too hard. Listen to this. I was amazed to discover this. Mark is a two-part book. There's part one and there's part two. Part one is all the narrative up to when Mark is now ready to move into the extended passion story. All right? There's no birth account in Mark. It starts with John the Baptist. High drama. Part one ends in Mark chapter 8, right where we are, verse 30. Part two begins in verse 31. Watch something fascinating. Two parts to the book of Mark, scholars will tell us. Let's notice how Mark part one ends. Let's read verse 30. How does Mark part one end? Then Jesus strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. That's how it ends. Shh. I want you to tell anybody. Scholars call this the messianic secret. Apparently, some of us believe that we're still under the messianic secret dispensation. Because we're not telling a soul who Jesus is. Shh, don't tell anybody. Look, I've got it right here in the Bible. Mark chapter 8, verse 30. He said, don't tell anybody. I'm not. Now, that, that dispensation ended two millennia ago. Watch this. Mark part 1 ends with, shh. Notice now how Mark part 2 ends. Direct contrast, intended antithetical endings. Watch Mark part 2. Mark part 2 would be the last page of Mark, which would be chapter 16. So just turn to chapter 16. Watch how chapter 16 ends. Antithetical to the ending of Mark part 1. Here's Mark part 2 ending. Verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Look at this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. No more shh. Go tell everybody you know. And then, by the way, look at verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. That's how the book ends. They're talking everywhere they can go. Part one ends. Shh. Part two ends. The shh is over, folks. The shh is over. It's time to talk about him. And by the way, go where? Go into all the world for me. I want you to go to every unreached people group for me. I want you to go into all the world for me. No more shh. You go. You go for me. Wow. That's pretty clear. But what's even clearer is to discover that part two Mark intentionally, listen to this, Mark intentionally bookends part two with a command. One command to begin part two, one command to end part two. Well, we already know the commands. Command to begin part two is bear, you must bear the cross. Isn't that right? We just read that a moment ago. That begins part two. You must bear the cross. What is it that ends part two? You must share the gospel. Bear the cross begins the first command. Share the gospel, the last command. 
Bear the cross, share the gospel. Bear the cross, share the gospel. Do you know what that means? That means that in order to share the gospel, you've got to bear the cross. Cross-bearing is all about sharing the gospel. It's not about what you got stuck with in this life and, oh boy, this horrible cross that I have to carry because I love Jesus. No, it's nothing about that. It's intentionally making a choice. I'm going to sacrifice myself for the sake of the gospel into all the world. That's the cross. And only you can choose it. Nobody can choose it for you. Only you can make that choice. Ah. Could you tell them I'm not available? Thanks. Uh, tell them to call back. We're about through here. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, let me put this on the screen for you. This means that cross-bearing and gospel sharing. Put that line on the screen, please. Cross-bearing and gospel sharing. There it is are the crimson heart of what it means to become a missionary for Jesus. That's why this sermon is an altar call from this little teaching. It's very short. This little teaching from stem to stern is an altar call. It's this call. We have to decide today. We've had Sabbath after Sabbath thinking about the radicals and saying, oh, boy, I'd love to be one of them. Oh, man, I'd love to. I, I, I, feel a little bit of, I feel a little bit of passion in my soul to do something for Jesus. This is it. Now you decide. You got this card? We're ready to go. You know, did, did, you, did, you, did you get that uh, DVD? Did you, did you listen to the numbers of the DVD? Two billion human beings unreached right now. Millions and millions of men, women, and children who go to bed tonight, no knowledge of the Savior, no promise of salvation. They have no hope. Zero, nada, nothing, no hope. You and I crawl into bed tonight, crank up that electric blanket just a little more for the comfort's sake, and fall asleep on that feathered pillow while two billion people on this planet have no hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can believe that. And did you catch that? It was pretty small. I realized that. But did you see that if $100 is placed in the offering plate for missions? Did you catch that? How much of the $100 goes to reach the unreached people groups of earth? How much of the $100? One penny. One penny. You can't believe it. I tell you what, the one that brought tears to my eyes all six times was that quote where... where I wrote it here in the study guide so you have it. It's, uh, the harvest rots in the field if there's nobody there to harvest it. Isn't that something? It just rots. This was great. This was ready. It's rotten. Wow. I got a stack of... Let me just share this with you. Then we'll move to... Your response. No, we're going to move to a, to a live connection somewhere on earth in an Islam, Islamic country. Not going to tell you the country. They're live. We've already talked to them in first service. If Skype still works, they're coming back. Live from a closed country. Because God may be calling you to a closed country. God may lay on your heart, young professional, to be the calling to take your career and shape it for the kingdom of heaven and reaching two billion people for Christ. There's no higher calling, trust me, in this life than reaching this world for the Savior.
There's no higher calling. So what are the calls? I got a whole stack of them right here. This is nothing. This is nothing. They just gave me a bunch of them because I'm working with the GC. I'm working with I'm working with Center for Youth Evangelism. I'm working with Evans Frontier Missions. So listen to this. Do you know what the Brazil has just opened up? Listen to this. Brazil has just opened up a, a, what they call the largest fluvial island in the world. It's more than 200 miles long, 34 miles across for an indigenous people by it. It's a government sanctuary now. They're keeping all foreigners out. No tourists, nobody on. We're protecting an indigenous group called the Caraja, Caraja, Caraja. You from Brazil? No? Okay. You look Brazilian to me. And that's a compliment, by the way. 23 Caraja villages on this banana island. Government says nobody can go. So, AFM has just teamed up with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We need to bring some families. We're going to bring some families into Brazil. And what these families are going to do is going to get just this close to the island as they can get. They're going to get some original Kadaha people. They're going to convert those Kadaha people to Christ. They're going to then train the Kadaha people to go in among their own as indigenous missionaries and begin to plant the gospel in an unreached people group. Amazing. And you get to be a part of it. Got all the details here. Make sure you talk to somebody about how you can get over there. Here's another one. Radical student missionary calls. Uh, this is location. African project videographer or photojournalist. Need a male. Here's Asia. Location Philippines. Nurse. Male preferable. Location Southeast. Asia. English teacher. Male or female. Europe. Location Ireland. Administrative assistant. Counseling intern. Male or married female. Here's one. They told me the general conference said you can't talk about this one. Here's a nation not far from India, ready to go. We need two singles, two couples, two families, or a combination of the above to target this particular ethnic group and establish a church in India to go into that country. Here's another one. West Africa, closed Islamic nation. We need two families urgently to work as health educators who have a heart for church planning. We're ready to go. If we can have missionaries, we are ready to move into these countries. Two billion, one-third of the earth tonight does not know Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do? Here's Turkey. We need, we need a single. We need a couple. We need a family. We need health education. We need advertising and marketing people with media background to market Bible lessons and seminars to an Islamic society. Wow. They're just waiting for somebody to come. I got a letter from Jasmine, Jasmine Jacob. A few years ago, I was preaching on a similar passage to this. She was sitting in this audience. She's a school teacher in Berrien Springs, Michigan. She's a school teacher. Got her letter right here. She wrote me this week. She said, Dwight, after that sermon, I knew I had to make a decision. My husband and I, Peter, wrestled over the decision. I wrote the letter the next week, resigned my job as a public school teacher. And you know what she's done? She's raised up an international ministry. International, reach international for orphans all over the planet. And she said to me in the letter, she said, Dwight, we don't need money. We need people to come and help us. I'm looking at my buddy Donnie Starlin sitting right down here, Adventist World Aviation in Trudy. On his own, a graduate, aviation major graduate of Andrews University, has raised up a ministry single-handedly, has a team now spread out all over the planet, and they're pilots getting into where nobody else can ever go. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's about God calling you and you saying yes and God taking, hey, girl, what's your gift? Boy, tell me what you can do. And He takes it and He uses you. And He, and he lowers the number of lost people on this planet and increases the population of heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. 
going to read our text one more time and then we'll go to this closed country. Put the text on the screen one more time, please. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. When Jesus had called the people to himself with his disciples, he said, Hey, all of you, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what will it profit a woman if she gains the whole world and loses her own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So are you willing to go for Jesus? Are you willing to fill this out? Your name, email, cell phone. That's all we need. Name, email, cell phone. In 24 hours, somebody will be in touch with you. This isn't going into a huge hole. Within 24 hours, your decision will be recognized and you will begin a journey. He said, Dwight, I'm not ready to make any decision right now. I can't pack my bags by tomorrow. Nobody's packing bags by tomorrow. Nobody's leaving this next week. Nobody. But you've got to make the decision now. You can't put it off. Say, well, when the time is convenient, I'll call for that conviction to come back. It may never come back. You can't play with God's convictions. They come when you're ready and God's ready. If you have a conviction... Today's the day. You just say, I'm willing to go. He'll take care of the details. But Dwight, I've got to finish school first. I mean, I've got a career that I'm just building right now. You can't ask me to go. I'm not asking you to do anything. It's Jesus who's talking to you. If he says go, you've got to go. It just goes that way. You win. You win when you lose your life. It's, the upside. it's what Thomas Crable called the upside-down kingdom. In order to win, you have to lose. In order to live, you have to die. Upside down. I know it. It's not this culture. It's another culture. It's a heavenly culture. It's the Calvary culture. You die to win. You die to win. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. All right. We've got two guys. I see them on the screen. This is a closed country. All right. I'm not going to tell you where it is. We've even had to give them pseudonyms. Had a little slip up in uh, First Church, but there won't be a slip up this time. Here, here are their pseudonyms. I, I know one of these guys. He's a graduate of Andrews University. We've been together a lot. I know him. The other one I just met this last week on Skype. You see, you're going to see a young one and then you're going to see an older one. The young one's the student missionary. The older one's the missionary. Been there six years, by the way. Here's the, here, here are the names we're giving him. Uh, Barn, uh, Barnabas Hope. Oh, I like that. Barnabas Hope and Les Miles. There's nothing wrong with that, is it? And by the way, when this goes out on the telecast, live streaming, we'll get this, but nobody else will ever see these faces. We have to protect the faces. All right? So, Barnabas, Hope, and Les Smiles, are you guys really here from where you are in the world? Hello. Hello. Yo, you are here. Good to see you both. Same here. Bless you. Hey, listen, uh, the two of you, we're so proud of you. I haven't even told them where you're from. But we're just proud of you for representing this, this, this radical calling. And we've been thinking, as I told you this, this week, we, we, we would be looking at Mark chapter 8, taking up the cross and following Jesus. But uh, Barnabas, bless you. Barnabas, you have been in that country now six years. I want you to put a little bit of that uh, new mother tongue on us. Will you just speak a little bit of that mother tongue? Tamam. İkinci Pentecost için bekliyorum. Neden? Çünkü yabancı dil dersleri daha devam etmek istemiyorum. That is, I'm waiting for the second Pentecost because I don't want to sit any more foreign language classes. 
All right, well, we are amening you all the way. That was well done, Barnabas. Uh, you know, that's part of the sacrifice. You have to learn another language. Why do I want to learn another language? I like my own language. No, you have to learn another language. You're going to have to be like Jesus. He had to learn our language when he came down here. That's what incarnation is. You go into another setting. That's why they're called cross-cultural. Because this isn't about going to Benton Harbor. This is not today about Benton Harbor. As fine as Benton Harbor is, this is about crossing a border or the seas generally somewhere to find a cross-cultural setting. You go. That's what they've done. Six years, this Andrews University graduate, six years Barnabas, has gone for Jesus. Now, I want to talk to uh, young Les. Les. You are in a school filled with Muslim students. All right? Closed Muslim country. You're in a school with Muslim students. What's it like? I mean, everybody... They, they, do they know that you're a Christian? They know I'm a Christian. They know I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, they actually... One of my roommates... Uh, we're good friends right now. We, I consider him as my brother. And one thing that he told me two months after I moved in was that he's been praying for me. And that really shocked me. I thought he was just being nice. But he says, no, actually... I've been praying for somebody specifically who looks like you, who has the same manners as you, hmm. and that really shocked me. And when I found out, it, uh, uh, he's not the only one who's been uh, who's praying prayers like that. So many of us, especially to the young people in the auditorium, um, it, there's a lot of people who are praying that you come and that you help them. And this friend, my roommate, he's been I've been offered to pray for him, and he's been accepting my prayers. Hmm. And sometimes he's been coming up to me and says, "I need your prayers." So I, um, I, I, a lot of people have, have said, well, what is the cost of going? It's nothing compared to what Paul went through or mm-hmm. Jan Andrews, who actually died in the field. So uh, the reward in itself shouldn't matter. What matters is the, is, is the commitment to, to, uh, uh, to go along with uh, the work of God. So um, what I'm saying, to, especially to the young people, I'm appealing that, uh, you have friends on the other side of the river. You have friends on the, on the other side of the of the world who are waiting for you. In fact, not just friends. You actually have families mm. who are waiting for mm. you. That's beautiful. Bless, bless you. Powerful. So a young adult can move right into an Islamic culture and immediately begin working for the kingdom of God. Good on you. Hey, Barnabas, I want to talk to you for a moment. You know, this idea, we've just been looking at the command to take up the cross. So, there's obviously a risk. This is, Jesus describes this as self-sacrifice. You sacrifice yourself. So, what's the big risk? What's the sacrifice that missionaries make in order to become missionaries? Well, you know, I, I think uh, the, the risks are many, but when you accept the call, the risks kind of take a, a, a back seat. Uh, however, I think, Dwight, maybe the better question might be, uh, might be uh, what are the risks of not following uh, Jesus? Mm. One of them might be uh, being swallowed by a big fish. <laughs> but uh, what is the risk of not mm. going as a missionary, mm. uh, not following a direct command of Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, a few, uh, months ago I had the opportunity to go up and speak in, in uh, Norway for the commissioning service of some young Adventist Frontier missionaries who were headed to Africa. And before that service, I was so moved that the Norwegian Union had organized a special event to honor 
retired missionaries, and there were three women in their 90s at a nursing home. The whole group went over to this nursing home and stood around these older women. Each of them had served 50 years in Africa. Amazing. As a six-year, quote, veteran, I felt so humbled and just uh, so small next to their service of Hmm. 50 years and the commitment to, to not only go there, but to stay there and to continue on there at a time when Africa was, was by far much more difficult than it is now. And yet the, the, the joy that those women mm. must have now to know that Africa is just crawling with Adventists. Right, and it's yeah. because they, they went and bore the risk. Mm. And they took the risk upon themselves. And now there is a movement there. And so I think, you know, what is the risk? The risk of not going is that you would just stay at home and lead a very small little life. The risk is that there would be whole movements that wouldn't exist because I never went. And for me, that's that's unacceptable. I want to go where Jesus wants me to go so that I can make the future happen as he wants it to play out. Beautiful, beautiful, powerful. Uh, one One last question, Barnabas. This idea, and we were talking this last week on the phone, and you brought up this idea of the miracle, all right, becoming a miracle. Get into that for us, will you, this, this, this miracle thing. Well, you know, Dwight, here we see people that are in need of miracles. And, and frankly, without a miracle, they're just not going to hear. I, I hear people having dreams and visions, and so I'm all the time praying for miracles. We, mm. Our union is made up of Tunisia, Libya, Turkey, Afghanistan, Iran, over 300 million people in our union alone Mm. and only 300 Adventists. So we have cities. uh, We have a city right near me with 7 million people. And that uh, that city has absolutely no uh, Adventist presence at all. Mm. And so I'm kneeling down, praying, God, do a miracle for the people in that city. God, would you open up the windows of heaven for them? And as I'm praying, God speaks to me and he says, Barnabas, he said, you are their miracle. Hmm. That's why I sent you here, is to, to be a miracle for hmm. them. And so that's what I feel is that the people that you're speaking to, appealing to today, Dwight, God has, has other people, that they are their miracle, and, and that they will be that spark for somebody to be able to step into heaven. Hmm. If, I was, if I was sitting in Michigan today, I would say, Go. But I'm not. From my vantage point where I'm sitting, I will say to the congregation, come, come. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Mm. Why did they say come? Because the Spirit's already here. This, the frontier is the last act of the Spirit. It's the, it's the final show, showdown right here in the frontier. Come and join the Spirit. That's my appeal to you. Okay, look, at I, I, I don't know, uh, Barnabas, well put. I don't know if we can get a camera where they can see. Uh, can you swing the center camera around? Because I want to put it. If you, if you would join me in letting these two missionaries in a close country, Islamic nation, know that you're willing to lift them up in your heart, willing to lift them up in prayer, just put your hand up. And I want these guys to see that they're connected not only to their home campus and their, their, home, their home community of faith, but they are connected the people who are going to say, hey, listen, we're going to lift you up. We're going to send, we're going to, send to you, Barnabas and Les, we're going to send to you young adults. And by the way, not all young adults. You have a Puerto Rican couple there, 67, already retired, health educator. No, he was an educator. And they're working with you now. So any age 
can go for the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you both. Keep praying for us here. Thank you. Be careful. Be careful. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. That's it. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. Of course, it's going to be tough. Of course, you're going to sacrifice. Of course, you're not as close to your grandkids now. Of course, you're not as close to your to your best friends anymore. Of course. But if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross. Come, let's go. And I'll go with you even to the end of the world. I'll go with you. I'll go with you so you can find this little girl. Find this little girl for me. Tell her parents there's hope. Go with me to find this boy. Find him on this planet for me. Don't just sit here and rot in your own harvest. Go for me so that the harvest will not rot where I need you. Take the card, will you please? I choose to become a radical for Christ and serve Him in cross-cultural missions. That's it. If you would be willing to make this commitment today, would you put your name, email, and phone number here? Student, put an ID number. If you would be willing to go for Christ. You say, Dwight, I have no idea where I would go. I have no idea where you're going to go. You know what? You, there, there is a little bit of choosing that you can, you can participate in. Some of you are saying, listen, I've thought about it. The places where I'm really eager to go would be either Hawaii or the Bahamas. <laughs> you laugh, but I suppose there would be opportunities in the Bahamas to serve. You can help pick where you go. Nobody's going to come and just force you round peg into a square hole. But you have to be this way with Jesus. You can't say to Jesus, hey, listen, I will follow you if you do this, this, this, this, this for me. That's not radical commitment. That's called cutting a deal. He says, listen, you come follow me. If you can say yes to this, I choose to become a radical for Christ and serve him in cross-cultural missions. And by the way, 17, 16, 15, 13, 14 is not too young. He may be calling you just by virtue of the fact you, got, you, you, you came to this campus on this weekend. He may be calling you. Take this card, will you? I'm interested in... Oh, how's this go? Let's put the card on the screen. I'm interested in exploring long-term options of mission. That's two to ten years. The GC secretary comes in on that, something like that. They say, okay, we're eager. I went. I went to the website. Listen to this. He said go.net. Boy, can you, can you remember that one? He said go.net. I went to this volunteer website. Adventistvolunteers.org. Just remember those two. He said go.net. And I counted them. 920 that I could count outside the U.S. openings right now. Male, female, young, aged, skilled, unskilled, married, single, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The openings are there. You want to go and give your life in a long-term sort of way? Put a check mark right there. Nobody's going tomorrow. Nobody's going to hustle you out of here. You will have time to have your questions answered. I'm I'm interested in exploring long-term options. Here's number two. I'm interested in serving as a student missionary for one school year here in this country or abroad. I'll go anywhere you send me. One year. Some of you are saying, man, Dwight, I'm a, I'm a sophomore now. If I take a year, then that means I graduate in three years instead of two. Yep, that's what it means. So, the world will still be here. Your education will still be enriched. And by the way, you will come back a changed person. I've seen it time and time again when the student missionaries come back. That's not the boy we sent. We sponsor him here our own kids that have grown up in this community, they come back changed for life. 
you'll never be the same again. Put a check mark there. I'll go. I'll sit down with Pastor Jay and find out what are all the options. But I'm willing to go. Check mark there. Oh, listen. I want to join a short-term mission trip in the next nine months. That's a little two-month special. Yeah, it's not real big stuff. It's to get your feet wet and hopefully to entice you through the Spirit of Christ to be interested in doing it longer. You make a difference even in two weeks. Finally, I'd like to take this mission intensive class. My friend Glenn Russell is going to teach that in May from Tuesday through Sabbath. High-octane teaching. You can take this class even if you're not a student. You can sit in on the class. You want to become a missionary? Take the class. I'd be interested. I'd like to just know more about what is this cross-cultural stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready to go. This world is ready to have you. Would you just take a moment right now? Put the check mark. Hey, by the way, you can check more than one. You want to check all four? Go ahead. That's not a problem. We're ready to move. Christ is ready to move. I want to end with this story, and then I'm going to ask you to bring that card right up here to the front. Put it here. We're going to give you a DVD, the one you just saw, and a very attractive brochure. It'll be wrapped around the DVD. You go home and pray. But get the card that says, I'm deciding to become a radical for Christ. Let me end with a story. Scholars believe that it's possible Jesus knew of this incident when he issued the command in Mark chapter 8, take up the cross and follow me. A young Jewish rebel seeking to overthrow the hated Romans with a band of followers put up stiff resistance but was broken by Rome's iron fist. The the centurion decided to make a public example of this Jewish rebel leader and his followers. And so he calls, he summoned the entire village, their hometown, and summoned them all out to the little village square. And he stood the prisoners, the leader and his followers, in the center of the square. And he said, all right, I'm going to give you one command. Rome is gracious. Rome is giving you this offer. If you will swear allegiance to Caesar, you will not die. If you will not swear allegiance to Caesar, there's a pile of patibula right over there. Pick up your patibula. Go out to the to the site outside the village, and we'll execute you. When he was through, the villagers hushed. The young rebel leader looked at those crosses, looked into the face of the centurion, looked at his wife and his children, thought for a moment, and then quietly, without a word, walked over to that pile of crosses, picked up his cross and began the journey to the stakes outside the village. His followers stared at him, looked at the centurion, looked at their families, and then one by one, every single one of them walked to the pile of crosses, picked up the cross, and followed their leader. Jesus says, you want to follow me? I need you to do the same thing. I need you to deny yourself. Take up a cross. You choose. You choose. And when you have your cross, come. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. You come. And so I'm inviting you on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ to come to Him right now with your cross And this card, if you have filled out this card, would you step out of that pew right now and make your way here to the front? You're in the balcony. I'm going to ask you to go down the stairs and come here to the front. You're in overflow right now. You're in overflow right now. I'm going to invite you to come to the front. Bring your card. You're going to get a DVD in exchange for that card. 
Somebody will call you within 24 hours. You need to know that people have been praying for you all this week. God has had His eye on you since this series began. And He's been preparing your heart. I want you to push right in. I want you to come all the way up here onto the platform. Push right in so that everybody in the back can come all the way to the front. Those of you who have come forward, just come right up here. Don't go back to your seat. Stay right here. I want to pray with you. I want to have a prayer of dedication. Come right on in, guys. Pull right up here. Those of you that got your DVDs, come right on up. Follow Jeff. Come on, Jeff, right up here. Come on up. We've got to make room. Jesus is calling you to take up the cross, to sacrifice yourself. You say, Dwight, I'm not 18. You're not supposed to be 18. I'm 38. Good for you. I'm 48. Good for you. You come. Jesus says, come. Just take the cross. You're in overflow right now. You're in overflow right now. I want you to come. Just walk through. There's just a, just a short little hallway. Come in. Bring this card. Bring the card with you. And say, Jesus, by your grace, I don't know how I'm going to do this. i got so many questions. Don't worry about the questions, my friend. The questions will get answered one by one. Hey, Dwight, are you telling me that all the barriers will disappear when I come to Jesus? No, I'm not telling you that. There's somebody who doesn't want you to go. There's somebody right now who is whispering every barrier he can quickly think of to hold you. He said, don't you go. You've got a life. You're going to be somebody someday. Don't give your life to a bunch of nothings around the world. Oh, I tell you what, my friend, you say no. You say no to Him. And you say yes to Jesus. You come. I'm not hurrying through this appeal because some of you are going to have your lives changed today by the Holy Spirit and you will never again be the same. You will, you will step through the gates of eternity. step through the gates of eternity and you will see people who get eternity all because you chose to go. I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than that. You have increased the population of heaven by denying yourself, sacrificing and saying, Lord Jesus, you carried that cross all alone for me. It is nothing for me to take up my cross. I'm right behind you, Jesus. You lead. You lead. I follow. You lead. I follow. That's what it's about. I'm so proud of you. There's some others sitting here right now and your heart is just going to going to beat the band and you're saying I can't, I can't. I'm telling you my friend, if your heart is now wrestling hear the voice of the Spirit in the midst of that pounding pulse and consider perhaps you are God's agent to reach an unreached people on earth today. I need a microphone. Anybody here have a microphone? Give me a Oh, bless you. Thank you, John. 
I'm just going to walk up to somebody. I don't know anybody up here. But I'm going to walk up right up to him. What's your first name? Nick. Nick? Yeah. Let's get this mic on for Nick. <laughs> hey, Nick, what does this decision mean to you? Well, it's always been a thing that's I've always been on my heart to go out and to, you know, do whatever I can to help somebody. So, yeah. I'm proud of you, Nick. I want to talk to this gentleman right behind you. Hi, what's your name? Isaiah is my name. Isaiah. What, what, what is this decision? What's going through your mind in making this decision? Um, it has always been my desire to know where God wants to use me and to be there. Yeah. So hearing all this today makes me to feel that I need to recommit really this decision. To Bless you, Isaiah. I'm proud of you. And Amanda, what's your name? Amanda. Amanda, what's this moment mean to you? Why are you making this decision? Um, getting my degree has always been my main focus. And I, I always had in my mind that I'd be um, more usable by God if I finished and got my degree first. Mm -hmm. And today I was just, um, sorry, really impressed that like all those people have never heard about God and that's more important than having a degree to do that. I don't I don't need a degree to do that. You know what? You can still get that degree and reach that people. God is big enough to pull both dreams off. I'm proud of you, Amanda. God bless you. Folks, look. This is what it's about. I'm grateful for the decision you made. We're not going to huddle up in another room somewhere and talk some more. Somebody will be in touch with you in 24 hours. That's our promise. Within 24 hours, somebody will be calling that phone number that you put on the card. Or writing that email if you left no phone number. I told you I wanted to pray with you, and I do. And so I'm going to invite you. I'm going to say maybe we could kneel here, but we're pretty tight. I'm going to invite the congregation to stand. Would you please stand with us? And I want to pray with you. And ask God to seal this moment. Never forget it. You didn't make a decision for Dwight. You didn't make a decision for the church. You made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will see to it that your prayer comes true. Oh God, I join with these. We all stand. What can we say? Calvary. The God of the universe was willing to lose it all so that we could go home one day. We hear the voice of Christ, if any woman, if any man would come after me, take up the cross, follow me. Deny yourself, follow me. And so we stand, holy God. These who have come forward, I am so grateful for them. Seal this moment in her heart. Seal this moment deep within his mind. Obstacles aplenty. We understand that. This isn't about an obstacle-free decision. This is about a commitment that no matter what happens, I will be Jesus radical in this generation. And I will go wherever he sends me. Put your arms around them. Hold them close. And may they know that we who stand all around them are lifting them up even now in prayer. 
And on that day, Holy Christ, when you shall sit on that cloud of fire and call your earth children to come home with you, on that day when the gates swing open and we move into eternity, may the joy of the faces on these banners be ours as we see them. Men, women, and children who have found the Savior because of our choice on a winter's Sabbath in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Holy God, we go for you with gratitude and joy. Let all the people say, Amen.